Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we have an amazing syndicating giant in our midst. We have the amazing Ellie Perlman. Welcome, Ellie. Hi, Philly. How are you? I'm very, very good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. Thank you. It's, um, can't complain. The sun is shining. Um, you know, it's November, but it's still pretty, pretty <laughs> warm. So. And you're, you're in California right now, right? Yes. Yes. Um, we're, we're in Santa Monica, so a little bit close to the fire, um, but not too close. So we were very, very fortunate um, to enjoy the advantages of having a sunny day um, in November. But some of our friends were not, you know, that um, fortunate. And it's, you know, it's a struggle. It's Everyone, yeah, we're all help in any way we can. And um, yeah. Well, our prayers go out to everybody that's been affected by the fires in California. But let's segue into you. Mm-hmm. What brought you how did you first get started into real estate and why real estate? Um, well, it's a good question. Why real estate? Um, my journey started in 2008. Um, back in Israel, I was a, um, a real estate lawyer working on commercial, huge commercial deals. And that was um, very exciting. And, um, but then I felt besides the whole, you know, um, issues with, the one of the worst crises in the history of the you know the world economy um i i felt that i was on the wrong side of the spectrum so i wanted to be on the other side i wanted to be my clients basically because um i was negotiating with banks and i was um helping creating deals but i actually wanted to be in the field scouting for the right you know um the right property uh, negotiating, bringing capital to the deal. So um, I decided. So you're basically after- creating. You're creating wealth for other people. Yes. Yes. Nice. Ab- absolutely. Um, and then after that, I um, segued into property management. I worked for um, one of Israel's largest um, oil and gas company, uh, managing their portfolio and. Um, at some point I felt, okay, you know, I have a legal background. Um, I have actual background, actual experience in managing properties, but I want to get more, um, more formal knowledge of a business and how to grow it, how to read financial reports in the best way, um, how to market a business. And I decided to move to the U S. Um, and, uh, went to MIT, got my MBA degree and, um, along the way, help build some, uh, several, um, startups and raise capital as well. So I was exposed to that aspect, which was great. Um, experience with hiring people, growing the team, um, from 13 people to almost 32, uh, in a matter of, of, um, 30 days. And, um, then I moved to California and, uh, I, at some point I felt, okay, I want, I, I kind of paused and I said, I, you know, I wanted to, um, I want to know, you know, what is it the best place for me right now, career-wise? Where do I want to be? And I never try to reinvent the wheel. I always look at other people who are great at what they do, and I try to understand 
how they got to where they, you know, they, they got and, and what should I do in order to follow their footsteps? And I realized that most of the, the wealthy, so I think actually all the wealthiest families in the world are invested in real estate in one shape or form. And I also love real estate. Um, and I, I basically, you know, my, my thought went from, because I'm a very analytical person. Okay, real estate, but what type of real estate? Uh, fix and flips, buy and hold. And if buy and hold, then what would it be? Would it be uh, single family homes, maybe small multifamily properties? And, and um, my answer was large multifamily properties. And, nice. um, I, you know, for, for me, bringing the legal and the business education that I had, I realized that this is the way to scale because I can work on, I mean, it's easier for me to buy one property that had, that has hundred units than hundred single family homes in terms of the effort, the time. It just, I realize it's a more, it's more scalable. So that was the professional answer to why real estate on, on, the, <laughs> on the personal level. Um, I came from a, uh, a, um, low socioeconomic background. Um, my, my mom was very sick growing up and um, my dad was not there um, many times. He was out working and, and coming back really late. And um, I was the, I'm, I'm the eldest um, of four kids and I had to um, raise my siblings um, and take care of them. And we were, we were really poor. Um, I was wearing charity clothes. And at some point my friends realized that the, the clothes that they donated to charity actually, you know, I'm, I'm wearing them to school and um, they didn't give me, you know how kids are. They, they, uh, they're not they, very nice. Yeah. They can be, you know, uh, pretty brutal sometimes. Um, but I took it to a different place um, than I think most people would think to take it. And I said, I'm going to grow up and, I remember I was 11 when I, when I thought that I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have, I'm going to build a life for myself. I'm going to have wealth that my kids are never going to go to school with charity clothes, with someone else's clothes. They're never going to feel what I, what I feel. Um, and it was a very religious uh, family. So um, at the age of 19, I found myself married um, to I think it was sort of my first boyfriend at the time. And um, it was a very rocky marriage for about 10 years. Um, when I, I found that he was gambling and it was a very tough, uh, verbally abusive relationship. And during that time, I was still struggling to make, financially make it. Um, I worked really hard to get to law school in Israel. Um, and for me, that was the way education was the way to get out of the, you know, where I was the low place in my life. And I was, when I thought everything was, was working great for me, I was working as a lawyer, I was trying to make some money. Um, I discovered one day that I had a very rare eye disease. I just, I was working in the office and I didn't see the lines and the screen were, were wavy and I knew there was something wrong there. Um, 
and I, I almost lost my eyesight. Um, it, it started with a very long and painful um, healing process, and uh, I'm not going to get into it because it, it was really not pleasant. Um, but that actually, looking back, it was one of the best things that happened to me because it made me pause and think, what are you not seeing? If this is something that happens with, with your eyes, I'm always looking for answers to why things are happening to me and in the world in general. Because if there's no coincidence, that's, I, yeah. I don't think so. And if you don't, if there's something negative that happens to you and you don't, um, and, and nothing good comes out of it, then it's pretty much for nothing. So let's, let's think about everything that you've told us so far. I mean, you have such an intriguing backstory. Like anybody that's listening out there to all of our listeners, you have no excuses why you can't do this, why you can't pick up a phone, get going, read a book, get yourself out there. I mean, listening to your story, you had every reason to quit at any point in your story. You could have quit as a child. You could have quit while you were in that relationship. You could have quit in law school. You could have quit when you had this rare eye disease. You didn't quit. So what kept you going? And how did you find the motivation to push through everything that you had to go to, to find yourself where you are right now? Um, I think I worked backwards. So I decided that my life is going to be different. I decided that I'm going to be something. And it took me years to understand what that something was. But I truly believe that if you do decide that you're going to get somewhere and you're convincing yourself and you're going to believe in that at some point, it will happen because the people around you are going to perceive you in a certain way, are going to behave in a certain way, and you're going to change your behavior and your belief systems. Um, and I know it might sound a bit vague, but for me, um, when I, when I applied to, to the MBA program, for instance, I knew it was highly, highly competitive. And the feedback that I got from everyone around me was you're crazy. Why are you leaving Israel? Uh, you can never get to, you know, Harvard, Yale, MIT. It's really, really challenging. And, and only the super the supermen and super women of today's are getting there. And I just said, I, I just decided that's what's going to happen. Nice. And, and when you sit there and when during the interview getting there, if that's what you believe, then that's how your actions are going to be. This is it's you're paving your own path. Uh, when you sit there and you know, I'm going to get into one of those schools, you're much more relaxed. Things come naturally to you in anything, not necessarily, you know, in applying to business schools, of course. Um, so for those who start in real estate, yeah, it can be very intimidating. I mean, there's so many other players out there, so many people with experience, with money, with connections, but if you're going to be in that defeated, um, mindset, mm -hmm. guess what? That's, what's going to happen. You're going to stay in that place and never grow. But if you say, Hey, I'm as good as Mr. X and everyone started somewhere, exactly. no, not a lot of people were born with a you know, portfolio of 5,000 units. They built their way up because they believe they can do it. That is amazing. So as you're building yourself up, as you're going to school, as you're giving yourself this room to grow, who, who did you learn from or who, who helped you take those steps necessary to get where you are today? Um, 
in t- so what, what you're asking basically as when a, I started. As in like mentorship, you had mentioned something about not reinventing the wheel. Yes. Like who did you go to? Who did you turn to to figure out how they uh, how they built their wheel? So I I got a mentor. Um, I was in a lookout for a mentor, and I looked at all the different mentoring programs, and I actually I didn't look at the price because that's an investment, but I looked at those who lead the mentoring program and I asked, okay, do I want to be like them in terms of what they do and what they've accomplished? And I chose the mentor that um, rose to the top in, in five or, or six years. And I liked his personality and, I, and he was very relatable. Um, and I, I thought that that was a good fit for me. Um, because you got to like your, your mentor. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously. Um, and so I use, I use that. I, I looked at someone again, someone who made it and I said, Hey, what is he doing? I want to do something similar. Of course, not copy hundred percent because each of us is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's how I got help. That's great. That's great. I mean, every, like, like Elle said, everyone, Look for a mentor. Look for somebody that's already done what you want to do. There's no reason for you to reinvent the wheel. Like she said, there's no reason for you to think that you're the only person who's ever thought about doing syndication, the whole world of syndication, because it's not true. So find somebody that has done it before you and be willing to pay that price to get that information from them. It's worth it. It's an investment in yourself. So let's start. Let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about you building yourself as a businesswoman, because obviously you have all this experience. You've been a lawyer, you've gone to MIT, you, you have this vast knowledge. So how do you use that business experience to help you build the business that you have today and create the teams that you have today? Um, I think my, it, it, it's kind of, I can break it down to two. Um, the one part is vision and strategy and then the execution. So in terms of the vision, I don't, when I started, I didn't see it as, okay, I need to get this one deal and then I'll go to the other one and the other one. Um, I, I had a number. I know where I want to get, to get in 15 and 14 and 10 and, and three years from now. Um, and I started to do some reverse engineering. I said, okay, by the age of 50, um, where, wh- where do you want to be? And then work backwards and said, okay, Assuming that you can close on X or buy X number of, of properties or units per year, um, how long is it going to take you to get there? Um, and I just did the math um, and realized that I really need to look at it as a business and not necessarily as a deal by deal basis, which I think is a lot of syndicates who start, they just want to get started, which is great. And then they slowly, they figure out things out along the way. Um, but I looked at it. From day one, I looked at it as an empire. Okay, this is my empire. This is a business. What do I need to do now? How do I build it in the way that um, it's going to scale fast? And so that's a part of, of the vision um, and, and the strategy was not to do everything on my own, mm-hmm. um, but actually hire people to do some of the things, hire and outsource some of the, um, the, the, the tasks um, because I can't be in everywhere. And in terms of the, uh, the, the second part is actually the execution. And in terms of the execution, it starts with understanding where are my strengths and what I like doing. Usually they're the same. 
Um, and this is where I'm going to focus. And then on the other stuff, I'm going to hire and, and outsource. And it does take a little bit of money. If, if you have zero money, that could be a little bit challenging. But again, you can, there's no, you can do anything if you just come with an open mind. If you don't have any money and you want to start a business, then you get a partner who invests in your business for some equity or you take a loan. There's so many ways to do that. Um, or you can hire interns and they're happy to work for free. And as a lawyer, I can say that you should check how legal this is. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's a very sensitive topic, but um, there's so many ways to do that or people who can help you by not taking a salary, but um, take, get some equity in the first couple of deals that you do. So there's so many ways to do it, even without money. Um, so the operational part was actually to build to kind of a, a roadmap and saying, okay, this is what I need to do this quarter, the next quarter, this year, next year. How does it look like? What do I need to do? Um, and not to be vague, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so let's say usually the two main topic, the, the, the two main um, verticals in a syndication is raising capital and finding deals. Mm -hmm. So if you are good with people, you know, some, you have access to capital, meaning, you know, some people with, with money, why don't you focus here and then hire someone or partner with someone to run the, uh, to find a deal, to run the due diligence, to run the numbers, um, and do the analysis, the underwriting. And, or if you don't, can find a partner, hire someone. And there are ways to hire people for relatively cheap through, um, uh, you can meet them on conferences. A lot of people with that, with this financial background want to get into real estate, um, or you can hire contractors on Upwork and pay them by project by the hour or monthly stipend. Um, so that's so basically one way what you're make. saying is there's no reason not to do this. Like there's, Absolutely. there's, there's a answer to every single like monetary objection that you might have. If you, for the listeners out there, if you're having trouble getting started because there's stuff about syndicating or real estate that you don't actually like to do, well, number one, you should be sucking it up because you should learn how yeah. to do everything yeah. at least once and what you're doing. And number two, once you figure out those things that you know how to do and do well, go to meetups, go find other investors that have the same mindset as you and get out there. Yeah. Everything I, I that totally you're saying agree. is amazing. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Pilly. I think uh, the, the one point that you mentioned, I don't think I, I touched up on, on that point was that you, at first you have to do everything, even mm -hmm. if you hate it. And that's what I did because yes. when you do hire, you still need, or when you partner, you still need to verify what they're doing, maybe less on the partnership side, but more on the hiring side. How would you know? You don't know what you don't know. So if yes. you've never ran the numbers and you hire an underwriter, good for you. Now what? <laughs> How do you know, to, to, you know to look at the numbers and say, hey, well, vacancy right now is um, 5%. Why did you assume, you know, 4% during the renovation period? It should be higher. Have you looked at the comps? Have you looked at how the market was performing? Have you looked at the history of, of you yes. know, the property? You got to know what 
answer, what, what questions to ask. Exactly. I'm all about jumping in, doing and taking action, but you have to take action in a smart way. You have to read the books. You have to find the mentor. You have to, I mean, and you know, if you don't have the money to pay for a mentor, like I just said, just open a book, open a book. There's a ton of books mm -hmm. out there that you can read, listen to podcasts, find, call people on podcasts, my number is actually on this podcast. So you can feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to reach out to Ellie. Feel free to reach out to people that have the same mindset and are willing to teach you and then yeah. take the next step and jump yeah. in. Absolutely. I have people that reach out to me um, almost on a weekly basis and they say, hey, I read your story or I see what you're doing or I met you at this you know, conference or meetup. What can I do to help? And, you know, perfect, if you can't find, question. If, if you can't find, if you don't have the money to pay for a mentorship or you like a mentor that doesn't have a formal mentoring program, uh, you can always bring value in some shape or form. You can help with raising capital. You can help um, with, you know, getting speaking engagements for your, your mentor. You can help organizing events. You can help maybe find a deal if you're, you know, very well connected in a certain market. There's so many things you can do. It's all about, it's not about whether you can do it. It's about how you can do it. So let's take, let's segue a little bit into your business. Let's take a little bit of a deep dive. Since we're talking about getting into our first deal, what did your first deal look like? Um, so it, it depends what you, um, how do you define a first deal? Because I started by investing. Um, so with my husband, uh, passively, okay. and that was for me, if you have a little bit of money that, that was for me, um, a good way to learn about real estate. And I have some investors in my on my deals that they're actually interested in becoming, um, syndicators, but they don't know any much about real estate. And for them being on the passive side is actually a great way to learn how I communicate with, um, uh, you know, with passive investors. Um, why did I pick that specific deal? So that's one way of doing it. You just um, dropped a golden nugget there, Ellie. Yeah. Everybody, if you have the money to invest and you want to get into syndications, try going on the passive side first. You'd find a yeah. lot of syndicators are very open about what they're doing if mm -hmm. you invest in their deals. Yeah, go on, absolutely. Go on. Great, great stuff. Absolutely. And you learn so much. And actually the person who is you're investing with the sponsor has a lot of, um, it's very different than, than reaching out to someone, Hey, teach me about something or even for go with a paid, um, a mentor because you've invested some money in their deals. So, you know, it's part, they have no problem opening the books, sharing, you know, stuff with you, showing you the underwriting. There's so much you can learn. Um, that those fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars that you have to invest, I think going with a sponsor, with a syndicator, and be on the passive side, that can help you a with experience, and b it can also help with um, with building uh, some track record. Because then when you go out and and you become a syndicator, you can show, hey, I've I've invested, you know, I own four hundred, five hundred, hundred doesn't matter, hundred units. Um, and, and, um, you know, I own them passively, but I am in real estate. It's not, this is not the first deal ever that I do. Exactly. It becomes a part of your portfolio because so mm -hmm. you, you own it and yes. use that as a marketing strategy. 
That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So awesome way to get into real estate, to get into syndication. So what was the first deal that you took down? Um, so it was a deal in, in the Dallas market, which is my main market that I absolutely love. Um, it was, it was a, definitely a team effort. So, um, I had my marketing team in place. Um, my, my, uh, social media manager helps me to helps a lot to attract new investors. Um, and that was a great way for me to raise capital. Um, so that was one, you know, that was one vertical that really helped me get things going. And a lot of the things you see on social media, um, that's, that's my team. Uh, of course I, I write some of the stuff and I authorize everything before it goes on. Um, I remember when I got married, I got, I got text messages from people. Why are you working now? You should be getting married. <laughs> and I said, Oh, this is not me. That, that was my, my, uh, my man, my social media manager. So, um, the first deal I got, I got the help of, so it was a combination for raising capital from social media that, that uh, brought some investors. And I also started a meetup, which is a great way for people who start and don't think you don't, you know, haven't, um, I, I don't have a lot of experience. Well, I can say two things about that. First off, you know, if you're reading and you you're on a mentoring program, you know, more than most people there. So you can contribute and B, you can bring guest speakers and then they can teach, you know, the audience something. And then you position yourself as an expert um, in that field and you learn so much and you get to know other people in, in the area. So um, I had a, um, a, a meetup and that was um, also um, a way to, you know, to that helped me bring more investors on board. And, and of course, and part of it was also family and friends. And I, I have a word to say about that because many people think, oh, I'm just going to start with family and friends. It's going to be relatively easy. No, <laughs> you think so. You think so. Uh, and, and you'll go to them and may, and some of them might invest in your first, on your first deal, but they family and friends, they know you from your past life and they have a way to kind of put you there and they don't understand sometimes the shift. Wait a minute, you're in tech. What are you doing in real estate now? Or, you know, you were a, a I don't know, you had a Spotify, um, shop. What do you mean? You were in online advertising. What do you mean you're, you're doing real estate? It's hard for them to make that switch. Um, that so said though, if you have had, um, experiences in other forms of business and they've been good experiences, use it. That's a good Absolutely. thing to use this background, especially if you don't have any real estate background. But I can mm -hmm. see what you're saying about family and friends. Like you have to have that conversation with them about now I'm in real estate. This is my passion. This is where this is where this is where it is. Yeah, and start early. Don't think that um, some of them will. And and my family and friends invested in my on you know my first deal, and they were from all around the the globe, but start early. So don't wait until you have a deal to reach out to them because that may take six months, five months, a year. Start reaching out to them. So because people need to have some time to digest that change. Mm -hmm. And if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm in real estate, it's, it's the first thing I hear about it. I'm going to be a little bit less, you know, willing to invest with him versus someone who's, I know has been doing that for five months or, or a year already invested with some in other, um, 
in, with other syndicators or help raising capital for their deals, it's different. So when you reach out to someone early on, that's one of the things that helped me when early on I reached out to them and I created this um, uh, few pages of a sample deal. And I had a picture of this made up deal with a summary and some numbers that I ran. I said, this is not a, a real deal, but this is the type of apartment buildings that I'm looking at. And when I do find it, this is how it's going to look like. These are the returns that I'm looking at. And it, it really helped me because people got to, they kind of process the, the new status, the new um, career that I chose for myself. So when I did, when I got the deal, it was a phone call and they said, okay, send it over. We want to look at it. And then another call with some questions about the numbers or the, the business plan. And they were in, it wouldn't have been that quick. You know, if I just reached out to them, oh, I just got a deal. Do you want to invest with me? So you got to prepare your network ahead of time. You got to show them something tangible. It's not only, you know, just saying, oh, I'm in real estate now. Show them something. Show them that you know what you're talking about. That you've done your due diligence, that you're serious. And that was very helpful. That is, uh, everything you've given us is super helpful. Basically, you have the conversation with people, give them the mock deal, let them know what you're doing and continue to touch them even before you have a deal mm -hmm. and continue and continue and continue until you actually have the deal. So that when you have that question, that when you pose the question, I have a deal, are you ready to, are you ready to go in with me? It'll be an automatic, let me see the deal. And you don't yeah. have to have that question, that question about, oh, are you are you um, okay to, to yes. take on this new venture with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Assuming, yeah. Assuming that you're doing the capital raise. And as I said, it's a business. So you might be on the other side looking for deals and analyzing them. And then on, in, in that scenario, I think um, hiring people to do the raising, the capital raising is not really the way that I would approach it. It's more on the partnership side because it's a lot, because people invest with people. Yes. It's not an, a, um, that's you know, key. Everybody out there. Yeah. That's key. People yes. invest with people. Yes. They invest with people that they know they like and trust. And sometimes not with people they necessarily know that well, but with people that they like and trust, of course, they, they're not going to invest in a bad deal, but, um, it's, it's definitely, they invest in you. And, you know, I, my decision to expose my, um, my background and my personal story, I was actually hesitant a little bit. Um, and I have to be honest, some of it, I did not, I asked my podcast editor to cut cause it was a bit, in my opinion, too much. And I didn't want to expose some very, very private and painful parts. Um, <laughs> But that story was, you know, it made people felt that they, that they knew me yeah. and it, it helped, you know, bridge the gap between this is my website and this is a, this is my photo and this is what I've done. Um, and here's an investor. Would you like to invest in my deals? And it, it basically kind of did something that I think a lot of syndicators don't really have and it's who they really are. Um, and that made a lot of investors feel comfortable with investing. Um, and they, then they, they have a feeling that they know who they're investing with, even and though they, they didn't. 
they need yeah. to they need to know yeah. that because i mean that's thousands and thousands maybe millions of dollars on the line and yeah. they need to know you and i think that was a great great thing you did putting your backstory out there so you mentioned this a couple of times using social media to raise capitals and so mm -hmm. since we're talking about raising capital what are your some of your best tricks some of your ninja tactics to raising capital on social media um, so I would say the first thing is have an awesome team that can help you get there because you can be everywhere. Um, and, but generally speaking, I think the key is not to expect anything and, and to give, um, help people out with social media, be very approachable. Um, so I'm very active on, on other forums and on LinkedIn and when people reach out to me and they want to have a conversation, I had tens, if not more, you know, tens of hours of phone calls and meetings with people who wanted to invest in real estate and, or become syndicators. And I did not expect anything. I was just really, really genuinely happy to help because I remember how I started and it was like not a lot of people that could help me out. And I had some great relationships and, and business relationships also from, from, you know, those, um, those contacts. So I think if you're out there, you know, if you're using social media to help to answer questions for people who, you, you know, even if they're not going to invest with you, it doesn't matter. Um, but you want to help out because a, for me, it's very rewarding. Um, but it's also helpful because others are seeing you, um, they see who you are and they see that you're, you're, you can establish yourself as an expert as well. Um, so that, I think that's the strength of social media. It's not enough to be everywhere. And, you know, I have a weekly blog, I have a, a podcast. This is all great. Um, but the true relationships came from helping people and you're going to be, you're going to expand your network in, I mean, in, in such an amazing way, if you are easy to reach out to, if you're willing to use social media to actually help people. That so. is fantastic, fantastic golden nuggets there. Use social media by helping people. Because you, I mean, really, you never know where your next, your next partner, your next, your fund, where your next funding is going to come from. It might be from that person you just decide, that stranger you just decide to help. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to vet you and they're trying yeah. to see what kind of person you are and mm -hmm. see if you're willing to help. That's, I mean, that's amazing right there. So a few more questions before I let you go. One being, what is your big why? What, what is my big why? Um, wow. Great question. Um, <laughs> my, my big why is um, I have, I mean, for me, it's still like, taking care of my, my parents and my future kids. This is, that's honestly my big why. That's what pushed me all those years um, to keep doing what I do and, and always look up. Um, so every time, even when I felt that I conquered, you know, a peak, I, I realized, wait a minute, this, this is not the peak. This is just a step because I was looking up and there's another one and another one. So without having a solid why, I would probably you know, break. That sounds solid so, to me. So Family. many times. Yeah. 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 That's, that's as solid as you can get. 
doing it for family. That's amazing. So where do you see yourself in five years? Um, in five years, so I'm working on my mentoring program right now. Um, in five years, I can see my mentoring program really um, taking off. Um, I want to, and we haven't talked about it, but I really want to see more women in real estate. Nice. Um, and really my kind of, my, my, my dream is of course, building um, this empire to become bigger and be, being on track to, um, to where I want to be in 15 years from now. But I also see myself on a stage talking to women and really changing something there in their mindset. I want to bring more women to, you know, to real estate to become, to, you know, bring more women to real estate investing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I really, that's what I want to do. Um, hopefully, you know, sooner than five years from now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I can't, I can't wait to be at that, uh, at that conference that you uh, put together <laughs> for women only, right? Yes. <laughs> so what steps would you give to someone new to real estate as vital pieces of information for someone looking to start their journey? So what, how would you tell them that they need to start? Um, the first thing is to understand there are two steps. The first one would be to understand your quantifiable goals. What do you want to do exactly? And where do you want to get? Because that will determine the path that you should take. Um, understanding, you know, if even knowing the numbers of how many units you want to, or how many properties or, or the value of the, the properties you want to own. Um, and that's, that will help you, you know, take the first steps and, Besides that, I think just going out there, starting going to conferences and read, read, read is what I did when I started and I made some great friends and great relationships, um, business relationships as well from that. So I think the first thing to do is educate yourself. It could be by reading um, online by buying books, by joining a mentoring program and learning everything you can, because you need knowledge to know how to do things. I don't believe in just jumping in and figuring things out along the way, because there's a lot of money on the line. If it's your money, fine. But when you're, you know, you want to be able to sleep well at night. And if you, you're managing other people's money, you want to know what you're doing. Just make sure that you educate yourself. Fantastic answer. Have a plan and educate yourself. So what, what are some words that you live by? Um, nothing is impossible. That's perfect. absolutely nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. I mean, if I did it, everyone can, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm an, I'm an immigrant. I came from nothing. And if I, if I was able to do it, what's your excuse? Like, why wouldn't you do it? There's literally nothing, you know, there's nothing you can't do. I love that. Thank you so much, Ellie. I mean, Ellie come, came from being the eldest of four kids, having absolutely nothing to building an empire, to continually educating herself, to giving back, to, to just being everything that you would want to be in, a, in an investor. So kudos to you, Ellie. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> um, so before I let you go, how's, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? 
Um, so they can go to my website, www.elliperlman.com. Um, you can also Google Ellie Perlman um, and you'll see, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. Also LinkedIn, you can reach out to me through LinkedIn um, or just shoot me an email, Ellie um, at ellieperlman.com. Fantastic. Thank you again, Ellie, for coming on. So grateful to you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so this is the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to everybody who's listening. We are so grateful to you. Have a good day. Bye now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.